talk to the good Douglas Carswell first. Uh, He traveled all the way from... Flowood. Flowood. His accent is not very Flowood-ish, but... uh, (laughs) I'm working on it. I I thought this is the way they talk in North Flowood. (laughs) (laughs) Douglas, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Paul. How are you? Uh, good. Always enjoyed the, the previous conversation with John. Oh, man, it's just it, it, it's it's a plethora of stuff. If we could solve the situations in the city of Jackson between Jackson and the state legislature, I think we can solve anything in the state of Mississippi. <laughs> I, I read your uh, latest column, and man, I tell you, it's it's motivating. Uh, I, I look at it and see some things in there, and I said, geez, I just, everybody ought to read the column, and uh, it is posted on the website. Well, thank you. Thank you. If people want to get it, sign up for uh, email every Saturday morning. Go onto our website, sign up, yeah. and you'll get it every Saturday. Because a lot of times we we who are born and, and raised here, we don't see the state we're, it's just almost like we're bullied, to be honest with you. And, and I've, I've seen that mentality a lot. Mm-hmm. When people from Jon Stewart to Hollywood to, you know, the news media, they use us uh, for the buttress of their jokes. And we know that there's a different Mississippi out there. It's not all uh, as they paint it to be. And we got some great folks here. Uh, we don't see it. And, and then somebody comes in from the outside. Let me just read a couple of things here uh, that you wrote. I might be British by birth but I'm Mississippi in my choice, and I can't think of a better place to live. My opinion, this is the greatest state and the greatest republic on earth. I'm not the only person that's decided to make my home in the southern United States. Each year, hundreds of thousands of folks leave the traditional business clusters of New York and Chicago and California and head south. After 30 years of growth, the south is today the most populous region in the country. We have to find a way to solve poverty here, one way or the other, mm-hmm. and to take that uh, stain off of us that's been there for 140 years since the days of Reconstruction. And I, I don't know how to, how we're going to get that done by just handing out money. There are three or four things that really need to change if Mississippi is going to become part of the southern success story, if we're going to become prosperous like the neighbors. One is we've got too much government in this state, too many boards and commissions in downtown Jackson. Great for politicians who can appoint people to those boards. Mm -hmm. Bad news for the taxpayer. Secondly, all that bureaucracy creates red tape and regulations. So the second thing we've got to deal with is we're an over-regulated state. Taxes are too high. Despite the cut in income tax, taxes are still higher here than they are in Tennessee. That's why Tennessee's growing faster than Mississippi. Go stand on the northern boundary between Tennessee and Mississippi. The reason why the laws of physics aren't different in Tennessee, taxes are lower. That's why they're growing faster. Same with Alabama. The third thing I think we need to recognize is that you don't get rich as a state by living off federal handouts. Welfare dependency is bad for families. We all know that. Since Lyndon Johnson created the Great Society and the welfare dependency that created as a result of it, we've known that welfare dependency is bad for individuals and for families. It's not pretty good for a state either. If handouts from DC made a state rich, we'd be the richest state in the union. Instead, welfare dependency from DC has impoverished Mississippi. I I think something else we need to recognize is that if we're going to grow, Nashville is a great center, which is why Tennessee's done well. Georgia wouldn't be anything without Atlanta. Think of the growth in Texas. It's happening around Dallas. We, on the other hand, have a failing capital city in our, at the center of our state, Jackson. We need to make sure that Jackson is 
at least functional. At least the airport in Jackson has to be functional. Otherwise, we're not going to grow. And I think finally, we need to stop apologizing for being Mississippi. You know, there's, as you alluded to, there's far too much defensiveness about being Mississippian. I think it is an honor and a privilege to say that I live in Mississippi and that I'm from Mississippi. And as I said, I'm British by birth, but Mississippi by choice. We need to stop being apologetic for being Mississippian. And for far too long, we've allowed a left-wing liberal Hollywood and a liberal media to browbeat us into almost apologizing for being Mississippian. Look, you don't talk about Boston with reference to what happened there 50 or 60 years ago. You don't talk about California with reference to what happened 140 years ago. Can we please talk about Mississippi as it exists? The average age of a Mississippian today is 37. Can we talk about things that are happening now, not with constant reference to a dim and distant Past. It's very difficult to do that when the liberal media that uh, remains in, ex- in existence in this state, it just seems, and some of the some of the editors are, are, are columnists, uh, and, and God bless Emmett Till, don't get me wrong, don't take this in the wrong way, but it just seems like every single day, or at least once or twice a week, they're digging up stories of hatred and racism and, and hangings and deplorable things. It's not that we want to forget it, but I mean, if 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 we did that on any other, the Civil War, the uh, the mistreatments of other, it, it doesn't matter. It's it just living in the past on a constant the, basis. There seems to be a certain kind of liberal journalist in Mississippi who sees their role as about sneering at the state that they live in, about doing down the state, about calling in liberal broadcasters from outside the state to look at anything that happens in the state as evidence of hatred and racism. And it's it's just ridiculous. It's absurd. We saw this last year when Jackson didn't have running water. How on earth can you make a story about municipal incompetence into a narrative about historic racism? It's, it's yep. ludicrous and preposterous. Douglas, do you, do you think they do that because they don't like the state, or do they in, it's some, vanity. We, it's vanity. In, in some weird way they think they're helping it, like reverse no, psychology or no, something? It's vanity. It's an attempt to show that they are supposedly cleverer and smarter yeah. and more intellectual than the people around them who they look down upon. It is a form of snobbery. It is a form of virtue signaling. And we need to call it out and ridicule it. It's preposterous and it's nonsensical. Um, as far as too many boards and too many taxes and things such as that, I, kudos to the uh, former governor of the state for eight years, Phil Bryan. We've had so many discussions and, and interviews over the over the many years and and on the air and off the air, and his 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 um, uh, commitment to performance-based government. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you can't do it yourself. We have the weakest form of government of, of a governor in the state of Mississippi. But uh, it's, it's one of the things that I, I've talked about so many times is if a program doesn't work, then kill it. Do something else or, or go back and change it. Yeah. it it's, and every time we talk about the hospitals, and we did with John a few moments ago, uh, I'll get some negatives. Paul, you want the hospitals to die. You, you, no, there's no way. I'm just saying that you got to look at the socioeconomic changes, especially of not only rural Mississippi, but rural America. And things have changed out there. We've got to change the hospital, or what we call a hospital, and what their duties are, in a different method. And we haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, talking about the size of government, to be fair to Delbert Hoseman, he would, if he was sitting here, rightly point out that on his watch, the size of the state payroll has has 
has shrunk. I think the size of the state government has declined by about 12%, and yes. I think kudos to him yeah. for doing that. But I think there's far, far more that needs to be done, and we need to deconstruct many of the structures and the administrative... Uh, you know, we need to deconstruct the administrative state in, in, in Jackson, not just reduce headcount. Um, in terms of healthcare, part of the problem is we have these incredibly restrictive practices that prevent rural hospitals and other hospitals developing and evolving. Certificate of need laws, those are holding back healthcare in the state, and that is a root cause of the problem. We'll, we'll talk more about that, man. We've been talking about certificate of need since uh, Theo Bilbo was in office, I believe. <laughs> Maybe not quite that long. More with Douglas Carswell, President CEO, Mississippi Center for Public Policy. House and Senate again resume today and this morning. Back with more coming up next. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Honorable Chairman. I can't hear you. Aye, aye. Oh, listen and take our box on the seafloor. We love pirating movies and always want more. If world domination is something you wish, then stop asking questions and we all get the rich. much about uh, the communist version of SquarePants SpongeBob, the way things are going on. I'm a little worrisome, uh, Douglas, to see leader of Russia and the leader of China shaking hands in a big powwow, and I understand there are some other big potentates flying into uh, China for that meeting. Uh, it, 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 it looks like a reshuffling of the world powers. That's an it, axis of evil. I mean, axis of evil is, is on steroids yeah. on this two, one. Two really horrible leaders of two mm. horrible tyrannical regimes, Putin and Z. Let me go back to the hospital uh, thing. We've had the Senate conference of name. That's Hobson, Kevin Blackwell, and uh, Senator Polk will be on the Senate side for the conference for this hospital bill. And the House conferees will be Reed, Sam Mims, and Bounds. Uh, and uh, that will be the conferee's name for uh, the bill, an act to establish Mississippi Hospital Sustainability Grant Program for the purpose of improving and preserving the access to hospital care for all Mississippians and the recognition of the challenges incurred by hospitals as a result of COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, j just a final thought on this one. You may or may not agree. We have we have quite a few of these hospitals in rural areas. Just saying, and I mentioned this before. When I grew up in a small town, we had a movie theater. We had a we had a there were some small towns like Drew and Ruble had car dealerships. Uh, you you had the uh, Western Autos and places like. And it's changed. Hmm. Uh, not only here, but rural America has changed. Hmm. And the economics, unless you're next to a thriving metropolis and you are doing the right things to keep your city up. You can be, become a great bedroom community. Mm -hmm. Many people have not done that. But we haven't changed with the hospitals. They all want to say we've got a big hospital in our town yep. and use that as an economic uh, tool. It, it just doesn't work that way anymore. You might in the past have had a general hospital. Medicine has become increasingly specialized. So you might, mm -hmm. instead of having a collection of general hospitals, you would have a specialist uh, 
unit um, and people might travel further distances to get treatment there. Um, you're, you're inevitably, I think, going to see a reconfiguration of healthcare provision in any state. Um, it's happened, um, as you say, um, over the past 30 or 40 years. Part of the problem with Mississippi is we have these incredibly restrictive rules and laws, which mean that we're not able to make some of those changes. Um, we've kind of inherited a system that hasn't really evolved much in 30 years. Now, simply, they talk about this being sustainable, simply using public money to fund something that loses money is not a long-term viable yep. solution. Trust me, I come from the United Kingdom where we have a system of socialized healthcare. You don't want to go there. You really don't want to socialize rural hospitals in Mississippi and pretend that that's gonna fix them. What, what we need to do is make sure that the shape of the providers can change. Um, we had a very interesting doctor from Florida, um, Lee Gross, come and talk in Mississippi at a public event about a month ago. And he talked about some of the things that they're doing in some of the rural and poorer parts of Florida to provide primary health care in a different way. There are things we can do, but simply looking to subsidize loss-making rural hospitals is not a long-term solution. When you start looking at all these individual hospitals, they have individual problems. Some of them are administrative. Some of them, they just don't have the right people in place. Some of them are offering services that cost them more than they should be because they don't have a lot of people who want them. But go back to the CON, the Certificate of Needs that we've been battling for so, so long uh, in this in the state trying to get that out. Uh, they're... In some of these communities, certainly if they're, let's say, 7, 10, 15, even up to 18,000, 20,000 population in and around the area, maybe a little bit more as far as the larger uh, scope of the, of, the, of the area, they would have some services that would move in there for the private sector if they were allowed to, yep. whether it's diagnostic, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, absolutely. There are all sorts of innovations that would happen. Um, if you get rid of the certificate of need law, you would have competition, which would reduce the price to the consumer, reduce the price to the to the patient. That's not happening. And one of the reasons why that's not happening is because of these deliberately protectionist laws that are passed after intense lobbying by vested interests to try to limit the competition. It's, yeah. it's, it's the, great the news for people. The key word lobbyist and, yeah. and, and the influence over the lawmakers. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's another thing in Mississippi that needs to change that I think even more important than healthcare, and that, that's education. And one thing I really wanted to talk about um, today was we've got a wonderful guest coming to Mississippi on Thursday. We've got Betsy DeVos, the former education secretary. Great. I forgot about that. Yeah. And she, yeah. Betsy DeVos is coming here to Jackson to talk about the transformation happening in education around America and what we need to do here in Mississippi. So if any of your listeners, we have 10 tickets left. So if any of your, any of your listeners want to listen to Betsy DeVos speaking at the Country Club of Jackson on Thursday, we've got a handful of tickets left. Go onto our website, mspolicy.org. That's mspolicy.org. Go onto yep. the events page and you can get a ticket. The ticket will be yours if you do that right away. God bless this dear lady because during the entire time she was uh, in office with the Trump administration, she was beat up on for j just having the audacity to be a promoter of uh, school choice. Absolutely. Hey, and yet she, she's, she caught hell. She's probably done more to help the yeah. outcome of children across America as an education secretary than pretty much any other education secretary. Ironically, she doesn't believe there should be a federal department of education at all. She thinks that what we need is you need to give 
parents control over their children's tax dollars. And this is starting to happen. You see it in West Virginia now. You see it in Arizona. Across the river in Arkansas, you, you have this um, system of school choice. Kansas, Kansas uh, made some inroads yep. uh, this week, uh, this week or last week, I'm sorry, last week. A absolutely. Also. And by offering school choice, conservatives in other states like Florida have built a new coalition. People who, who hadn't previously ever voted um, conservative are now voting conservative on the basis of school choice. Do you know the percentage of federal funds we use here in our state to run our schools? I'm afraid I don't have that off the top of my head. No. I, I don't think it's as much as people understand. Uh, it, it's, it's and, and I don't know if anybody knows that. You can uh, certainly text me. If you've got my uh, phone number or text number or mm -hmm. on the uh, C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. But mm -hmm. I don't think it's as much as people think it is. But even with that amount, uh, they still have a tremendous hold on us as far as Washington's concerned. And I remember many years ago people saying, don't do this. Don't take that money because if you do, you're going to be sorry. But even at a more local level, think of Hines County. In Hines County this year, for every child in Hines County the people who run the schools, the public schools in Hines County will get $9,000. Think of what you could do as a mum or dad with that $9,000 if you could control it. Think of what you could do if you could do in, in Arkansas, it, by 2025, any parent will be able to take that share of the money, their equivalent of that $9,000, and spend it at any school of their choice. If we gave mums and dads in Hines County that kind of freedom, they would be able to get much yeah. better value than they're getting at the moment. I don't disagree with you, and I always look at this. How are we doing? How are we doing out there? Are we achieving our do it as Dion Sanders would do it? Are, are we getting? Are, are we? Are we? Are we seeing some success in here? Then you look at it generation after generation after generation. Certainly in the Mississippi Delta and in the inner cities of our state, when you go back and you look, oh, here's how good we're doing. Guess what? We have 100 percent of the students in most of the Delta schools on free food. 100%. They cannot afford food at home. And even at COVID, when they had to shut the schools down, you could still come to the schools to eat because if not, you'd starve. Mm -hmm. How are we doing you've got dishing some, out this money? You've got some really first-rate school board districts, Rankin, Madison, DeSoto, and others, particularly down on the coast. But you've also got a lot of school board districts that are continually F-rated. And if you look at ACT scores, there's Why been... Why is that? Well, because the school boards in those districts are primarily run in the interests of the payroll, the bureaucracy, the superintendents, the people whose livelihoods depend upon mm -hmm. spending that money in it's, their interests. It's economic development for them, not it's school, not, spent not in kids. The, it's not spent in the interests of the kids in the classroom. And incidentally, yeah. it explains why the amount of money we have per pupil in Mississippi has gone up, but teacher pay hasn't kept pace. Teachers aren't getting their fair share of the money either. We need I think, to give mums and dads control over their share of the money, because then they would spend it in the classroom. It would get through to the actual yeah. teachers. It is, uh, it, it's one of those truisms that's always accurate. Uh, uh, competition weeds out the weakest. Yeah. Competition is a good thing. And in a government form, uh, pure socialism, which is uh, government schools, uh, competition dies there. And we know Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Wonderful. It's always good talking to you, sir. Appreciate Wonderful. it very, very much. Thank uh, you. I understand that, that um, one of the greatest things that's happened to you is you've been called a carpetbagger by some of the liberal media. <laughs> I take that as a compliment. Yes, and you should. <laughs> Plus, they probably don't like that you're a pretty good tennis player either. 
Well, I wish I was. Sadly, that's not true. The I'll net, you the net keeps getting in the way. <laughs> the net keeps getting in the way. Douglas, thank you, man. Appreciate it very much.